0: if the new orleans saints feel like addressing wide receiver in this year's nfl draft there's a pair of former tennessee volunteers that could keep the tennessee to new orleans pipeline going strong we got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of locked on saints you are locked on saints your daily new orleans saints podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What is good, that Nation and that family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much as always, make a Locked on Saints your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss the newest episodes every single Monday through Friday. And I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson NOLA on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, over at Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. And of course, here with you every Tuesday on Locked in the NFL and here with you every single Monday through Friday on Locked on. Saints And on today's episode of Locked On Saints, we're going to take a look at another midweek mock draft, as we do often here on Wednesdays. You said you wanted it, so you got it coming for you. This time, we're going to take a look at why the Saints should consider packaging and trading, especially those day three picks, in order to start to move up elsewhere in the draft. We'll also take a look at how the New Orleans Saints could still sign tight end Foster Moreau, who they uh, helped with a potentially life-saving diagnosis of Hodgkin's lymphoma, and that some of these sort of parameters are already in in motion to get that done. But first, the New Orleans Saints have consistently reinvested in not only the Ohio State Buckeyes pipeline to their franchise, but also the Tennessee Volunteers pipeline to their franchise. You look back at players like Taylor Stallworth, you think about Shai Tuttle, Alvin Kamara, Alante Taylor, and many more, even wide receiver coach Cody Burns, is a former Tennessee Volunteers wide receiver coach. The Saints love that program, and they have already started to have conversations with, and they had a top 30 visit with Hinden Hooker, the Tennessee Volunteers quarterback, but what if the conversation with Hinden Hooker and the top 30 visit with Hinden Hooker wasn't actually about Hinden Hooker at all? What if it was instead about the pair of wide receivers that the Tennessee Volunteers fielded last year in Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman. Now, Cody Burns, the New Orleans Saints wide receivers coach, has experience with both of these receivers, a little bit more so Cedric Tillman, but does have experience with both. And if you remember back to uh, the combine, the clip that I shared, it's actually still a YouTube short of mine over on the YouTube page, uh, of Hendon Hooker kind of discussing his relationship with Cody Burns. And one of the things that he mentioned was that Burns had actually implemented some of the plays that Tennessee has been running over the last couple of years that have worked out well for them. And a lot of that comes from what that Tennessee offense does with its wide receivers. So would not be surprising if the Saints who love the Tennessee Volunteers system, love the Tennessee Volunteers pedigree, also now with Cody Wilson in the building as their wide receivers coach, would be be interested in these wide receivers coming out of the Volunteers program. So let's highlight both of these players. Jalen Hyatt, who is on his way to New Orleans for a top 30 visit this week, uh, he comes in at six foot, 176 pounds. So a little bit undersized, particularly in terms of weight. You think back to last year's first round draft pick, Chris Olave was also around six foot, but came in at least in the 180s. And so Jalen Hyatt would need to put on a little bit more weight to kind of be within the New Orleans Saints prototype. But certainly sitting at 176, he's not that far off. We're talking eight pounds, maybe a little bit more, because remember, Chris Olave also went away from his rookie season saying, yeah, I'm going to see if I can bulk up and add a little bit of weight as well. He jumped a 40 inch vertical, which is really, really good. An 11 foot three inch broad jump, also really good. So he's got a ton of explosion. Uh, you look at his 4440, 4 40 which uh, ranks very high in terms of like RAS scores and all of those other things. Speaking of his RAS score, 9.49. So he's in that Saints threshold as well. And he's somebody that has had a lot of success uh, in that Tennessee system, which is very wide receiver heavy and does require you to do a lot of things as a wide receiver, be able to read and react to leverages of defenders, make the right choice when it comes to what a cornerback is doing, see the field the same way that the quarterback sees the field. And he did all of that to the tune of 67 receptions, 1,276 or 67 yards and 15 receiving touchdowns in 2022 so he certainly has the numbers to back up the measurables and has the tape in terms of the on-field ability to be able to read react do everything that that Tennessee volunteers system asked him to do now he's not the only one and in fact there's another wide receiver in Cedric Tillman who has really good athletic scores but maybe checks the boxes for the size of wide receiver you think the New Orleans Saints might be interested in six foot three, 213 pounds, very well within the New Orleans Saints prototype, 37 inch vertical leap, 10 foot, eight inch broad jump. Those are really, really spectacular numbers as well. Not too far behind Jalen Hyatt, who is what, uh, nearly 40 pounds lighter than Cedric Tillman and three inches shorter than Cedric Tillman. So really good. Uh, ran a four, five, four in terms of his 40 yard dash. I know we love to glorify the four fours and the four threes and things like that but four or five is no slouch, especially when you're six foot three, 213 pounds. And in fact, when you are that big, I don't necessarily need you to run in the four for Just let me know. You can go up and get it. And a 37 inch vertical definitely helps with that. Uh, in 2022, he had a little bit of, you know, he had a half season effect. He only played in six games, but during those six games, 37 receptions, 417 yards and three touchdowns. When Cody Burns was with him in 2021 in Tennessee, 64 catches, 1,081 yards in 12 total touchdowns there. So that's what I mean by Cedric Cedric Tillman and Cody Burns have like a little bit more of a connection with one another than maybe Jalen Hyatt does because Cedric Tillman's best season came with Cody Burns in the building. Jalen Hyatt's came the year after Cody Burns had left. So I think you look at size, you look at the connection to the wide receiver coach, and then you look at just the system and the, the the volunteers to Saints pipeline that we see over and over again on both sides of the ball, there's a lot of reason to be excited about a guy like Cedric Tillman who could potentially be there in the second or third round for a selection for the New Orleans Saints. And even grabbing him at 71 would be absolutely spectacular. He could go earlier than that. Who knows? But I mean, you look at both of these guys and they're both very close in terms of the thresholds that you're looking for in terms of the prototype to the Saints. Again, Hyatt coming in a little bit light in terms of weight, but not far away from where Chris Olave was last year. Cedric Tillman checks a little bit more of the boxes, but maybe doesn't have the speed. But which one do you feel like you need more in this offense? I dare say the six foot three, 213 pounder with Michael Thomas coming off of injury. And with Brian Edwards, we're not necessarily super sure what he's going to be in the New Orleans Saints offense. Having another player of that style, of that mold, of that fit. Makes a ton of sense for the New Orleans Saints. And honestly, as for Jalen Hyatt, he could potentially very quickly get out of the Saints' reach. I mean, this is a guy that has some first-round conversation around him because of the explosive nature of his style of play. But the Saints, picking at 29 and 40, might be just barely outside of where he might land in terms of the end of the first round, top of the second round, or potentially if he falls to 40, what are the other needs? Who are the other players on the board? It might be tough to justify taking a wide receiver in the second round when you're looking at building your defensive line. You might have a star running back that you can grab there. Uh, you might look for you know, an edge rusher at that position, things like that. So there's an interesting sort of situation there, especially between 40 and 71 where the Saints could potentially grab a guy like Jalen Hyatt, but based upon who else is on the board in those top 40 selections, it might be hard to justify it. So for the Saints, either trading back up from 71 or waiting until 71 and potentially grabbing Tillman could be a part of what helps to make the decision for New Orleans when it comes to adding that wide receiver should they decide to add one of the two Tennessee volunteers. Coming up next though, that's not the only way that New Orleans Saints could potentially add a weapon, even one that might not be available in week one. We'll tell you how the New Orleans Saints could potentially still sign Foster Moreau despite the life-changing diagnosis and news that he got with his first physical. With New Orleans. We got all that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Saints brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. The NBA playoffs are nearly here. Will the New Orleans Pelicans make it so far? So good. And they can, uh, maybe by the time you're watching this, actually even lock up a play in tournament. Game. So you'll want to keep up with all of that, but this is also the perfect time for you to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook and that app, super safe, super secure, super easy to use. And if you're a new customer, you're going to get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets that you get back if your first bet doesn't wins make sure you check them out today plus FanDuel offers you the opportunity to combine a bunch of different bets including money line point scores threes drain things like that into a bigger payout in same game parlays but make sure you don't miss out your chance on that no sweat first bet of up to a thousand dollars in bonus bets by going to the, to FanDuel.com locked on that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA all right family continuing on with today's episode of locked on saints could the new orleans saints still sign former raiders tight end and former teammate of now quarterback Derek carr uh foster moreau despite the life-changing diagnosis that he received when he came in for his physical here in new orleans got that for you here as we continue on with today's episode of locked on saints appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day so it was reported today through John Sigler, who also uh, you know, was looking at it through the, the NFL's transaction wire that goes out each day, that the Saints had another facility visit with former Raiders tight end Foss and Moreau. Now, you remember just a few weeks ago, the Saints brought him in to the facility. They did a routine physical with him. And in the midst of that routine checkup, they found that he had Hodgkin's lymphoma. This is now the third or fourth time since 2017 that the Saints bring a player in for a routine physical checkup and end up potentially saving that player's life you might think back to things like Foster excuse me to uh, Nick Fairley back in 2017 John Dornbross not too long ago all of that now you add Foster Moreau to that list and things look like well maybe the Saints might have been interested in him but after that diagnosis the doors probably close, and now like Foster Moreau will go away for a year Work on fighting and combating that uh, lim- that that um, Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis, and then potentially come back to football uh, at a later time. Well, perhaps that time can be pre-arranged, and there's a way to do that if you're the New Orleans Saints. So this comes from John Hendricks, one of my new teammates over at um, uh, the Saints News Network with Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. You can follow him on Twitter at John J Hendricks who says the following, Foster Moreau is completing the physical that he started the first time with the Saints, he's told. So that's a per of situation there. So what that means is that Foster Moreau went back on Tuesday, on April 4th, to finish the physical that didn't end, you know, that didn't get finished the first time because they found that diagnosis. And so the outlook here for Foster Moreau, as John uh, puts in his tweet here, is that it's a matter of when he'll play again, not necessarily if he'll play again. So this is all about getting ready for Fossum Rowe to still be back on the football field sooner rather than later. And there's also some reports that say, and this uh, also came from Fossum Rowe himself, that he sees himself potentially being cleared mid-season. So how could the New Orleans Saints get in on this? Well, one way that they could do that is actually sign him. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Ross, why would you sign somebody that's gonna miss a year of football or half a year of football? How do you end up maintaining that in terms of roster spots, all those other things? So there's a list that the team could add him to called the non-football injury list. This is a type of list that you add a player to when they, you know, um, think back to Noah Spence years ago. It, it wasn't during organized team activities. He was getting ready for off-season activities on his own, doing his own training away from the facility and ended up with an ACL tear and then went on the non-football injury list and never came off because it was a full year injury, right? With that ACL tear. So if you have an injury away from something that is organized by the NFL, training camp, OTAs, mini camps, games, preseason, things like that, practices, if you have something that's away from all of that, even if it's football related, it's considered a non-football injury because it didn't happen around something sanctioned by the NFL. So for, um, for Foster Moreau, Although the visit is an NFL mechanism, it's not a practice. It's not something active. So, and of course, the in, you know, it's not like it was an injury that took place during his physical. You know, the old uh, 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 Terod Taylor getting stabbed in the lung with an injection type thing uh, with the Chargers years ago. It's not that. It's that it was something that was pre-existing that the Saints happened to diagnose. They happened to find in that checkup, so they could add him to the non-football injury list since he is eligible for that. And then after the first four games of the year, they could kind of wait and see how things go. And if he's cleared after the four games, the first four games of the season, they could actually bring him back to the roster. And this wouldn't hurt them salary-wise either because players on the non-football injury list are not guaranteed their salaries. Now, they can negotiate a payment while they're on the list with the team. And the New Orleans Saints are the type of team who would do something like that, especially with Fossum Monroe dealing with what he's dealing with him being a hometown guy, going to Jesuit high school, playing at LSU, all of those things. But this could be a really nifty and crafty way for the Saints to not only get tight end help, but get tight end help with a player that they clearly value because they brought him in for a visit in the first place, that has chemistry with Derek Carr, and that can also potentially get back to the field for you at a very key time. Because starting that week five, the Saints would have a five-week window to either have him return to practice put him on injured reserve, which would effectively end his season or even release him. And so in that case, if they feel that they have, you know, an idea of when he's going to return, whether it be weeks five through 10 or weeks five through nine, they could wait all the way to week nine and then add him back to the roster once he's cleared to play again. If for whatever reason that doesn't happen and he's not cleared to play, they can just put him on injured reserve end his season officially and it really doesn't hurt them at all to do that he doesn't take up a roster spot on the 90 or 53 man rosters as long as he's on the nfl on the non-football injury list and it gives the saints an opportunity to do something let's just be honest really cool here right like this guy that is you know a a son of the city that is here in new orleans that wants a team back up potentially wants a team back up with his quarterback and Derek carr potentially wants to return home i think it's indicative that the saints are interested in him and that he's interested in the saints being that he not only showed up for the visit in the first place but came back to finish that visit after the diagnosis i think it's not a weird or unwarranted conclusion to draw that he could that he and the saints are interested in one another for sure and so you have the opportunity to do something super dope for a guy that's from here and to bring him back and say okay if you're ready during midseason there's a spot for you. If not, NBD, you go on injured reserve, revisit it before the 2024 season during the off season. I think that would be a wise move by New Orleans because A, there's absolutely no risk when it comes to it. And B, if you're able to get into week nine, week 10 and add Foster Moreau to your roster, that's a pretty good situation to be in. Now, obviously it would take a little bit of time for him to get back into rhythm after missing all those games and everything. That's totally fine. Because you've got Juwan Johnson, you've got Adam Troutman, you've got Taysom Hill. You could still draft a tight end, but to be able to get him into the fold there, especially if you deal with any injuries at the position, would be absolutely outstanding. And again, just kind of super cool, like a cool thing to do for a guy that's from your city. All right, coming up next. I asked if you wanted a midweek mock draft. You told me yes. I asked if you would trade up in the first round. You gave me a resounding. No. So let's stand pat at 29, but trade up in and from day 3 and see what we can add to this New Orleans Saints team. I think you might like the way that this goes. Got that coming up for you as we continue on to wrap up today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast network, your team every day. Let's get it. Who that nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked On Saints with our midweek mock draft. You said you wanted a midweek mock draft. We got it for you. You said you didn't want to trade up in round one. So we didn't do that. And we also didn't trade back because again, the saints haven't done it since 2007. It's a fun scenario to explore and maybe it'll happen for the first time in forever here in 2023, but let's not keep revisiting it too much, shall we? So instead we're going to, we're going to focus on standing pat early, but trading up late to try to get a few more selections. So I'm gonna bring up the mock draft here on the video side so that you can all see it. Let me not take my name away. Let me actually bring up the mock draft. Uh, But to go through it all, let's list it all out first and then I'll, I'll go through and go pick by pick. So at 29, stood Pat there, was kind of hoping that maybe, you know, a certain player would fall or something like that. But with who was left on the board, Mozzie Smith, the interior defensive lineman from Michigan continues to make a lot of sense for the Saints there. Uh, at pick 40, Luke Musgrave, the tight end out of Oregon State, was available, so I drafted him. This was before the Foster Moreau news broke, but I still don't think that drafting a, a rookie tight end is a bad idea, as long as you don't draft one in the first round. At uh, round three, pick 71, I was hoping I'd be able to grab Cedric Tillman here, but he was already gone just to kind of like live in the the moment of today's episode, but he was already gone know that he would have been a selection there. Instead, I went with SMU wide receiver Rashi Rice, who I'm not mad at it at all. And then, because of some moving around and some trading, this is where things start to get a little bit interesting. So instead of me waiting around until pick 115 in the fourth round, I decided that I was going to trade up and get a second, third round pick. So the way that I did that is that I traded away the fourth round pick 115 and also one of my two fifth round picks, the later of the two, at 165 to move up to 101. That put me in a really good and honestly realistic position to draft Tajay Spears. There's a lot of times where I can grab him in these mock draft simulators, which look, there's meta in all of these things. There's ways where you can completely predict exactly what you're going to get. And you can do certain things like make it super random and all that, but then it gets way unrealistic and everything. But I could have sat around to 115 on, on most of these mock draft simulators and still grab Tajay Spears. I think he's a top 100 guy. So at least this feels a little bit more realistic that I moved up to get him at 101. That might be what it takes for the New Orleans Saints to get a, a, a Tajay Spears in particular, maybe even moving up, you know, r- r- higher or earlier, but this at least feels a little bit more realistic. Then instead of waiting around until from from 101 to 146, I traded 146 and My later of the two uh, seventh round picks, along with next year's six, knowing that I'm in line for another compensatory one there and I already had two six round picks in 2024 anyway, in order to move up to 123 in the fourth round. So I still got picks in round one, round two, round three, got two of those and in round four. And for me to do that, or or the, the the player that I ended up selecting there was, again, uh, Viliami Fajoko, the uh, edge rusher out of San Jose State, who I'm liking more and more and more, 20 plus sacks over the course of his career, 40 plus tackles for a loss, 12 passes defense, five forced fumbles. This guy is really, really disruptive, has a lot of talent. Uh, probably needs to, you know, you're, you're looking for the athletic profile to get there a little bit more, but the size is there. All the other things are there as well. And then at pick two twenty. Seven, which was just the first of the Saints' original seventh round selections. I just kind of stood pat there. I went with Caleb Chandler, the guard out of Louisville, who hasn't allowed a sack in either of the last two years 290 plus pounds, six foot three. Uh, good size to just have there. Spent most of his career playing left guard. So just good to continue to add depth to the offensive line. Whether or not he makes a roster, we'll see. But in this scenario, I'm in the seventh round here, so I want to go and grab somebody that has shown you that they have some production. In particular, he's really good, you know, particularly good in the pass, passing game as a pass blocker, which on the interior is a little bit more important to me right now, especially with a new quarterback in the system. So let's break all of it down a little bit further here. We'll go back up to Mazi Smith, the def- interior defensive lineman uh, out of Michigan. So the reason why I ended up going with him is because, like, he just gives you a little bit of all around on everything that it is that you're looking for. He's disruptive in the passing game, can be disruptive immediately up the middle quickest and easiest way to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks is right up the middle. Um, You're going to have potentially Baker Mayfield or, you know, or whomever starting it with one of these teams, you're going to potentially have, or I guess Kyle Trask is the other option there in Tampa. You're going to have a rookie quarterback in uh, Carolina and you're very likely going to have a, um, a, uh, uh, you know, Desmond Ritter starting for the Atlanta Falcons. And so you have a young quarterback, you got a combination of young quarterbacks and undisciplined quarterbacks in the division right now. And so getting pressure right up the face, right up the middle should be an impact thing for the New Orleans Saints throughout the 2023 season. Plus you want somebody, it's going to be able to help you out in the run game. Mozzie Smith's really, really good there. Um, looking at Luke Musgrave, just phenomenally talented and athletic six foot five, 253 pounds, 36-inch vertical, 4'6", 140-yard dash. Great times in both the 20 and 10-yard splits as well. So he gives you all of that sort of exciting athleticism uh, while also being a fantastic pass catcher, uh, big-bodied guy, and you can bring him in and allow him to continue to develop. And if he catches on quicker than usual and quicker than most rookie tight ends do, then you get this phenomenal pass-catching trio that you can deploy from tight end with, uh, Juwan Johnson, Luke Musgrave, and of course Taysom Hill. Although Taysom Hill will be used in a bunch of different places, and maybe you add Foster Moreau to that. Maybe Adam Troutman comes along throughout the year. Like there's some really, really good opportunity there for you. Uh, Rashi Rice, another great wide receiver in this year's class. He was so much fun to watch during the uh, during the Senior Bowl. Six foot, two hundred four pounds. So he doesn't give you the quintessential X size, but it does give you the give you the quintessential X play style. And when I say X, I mean the go-to, big-bodied, weak-side receiver like a Michael Thomas or something like that. Uh, the 41-inch vertical helps a ton, and the 10-foot-8 broad jump helps a ton as well. 4-5-1, so again, much like Cedric Tillman, he's not blazing fast in terms of that 4-4-4-3 four, 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 speed, but gave you great times in terms of his 20-yard split and his 10-yard split as well, which is maybe a little bit more important because you don't necessarily need the long speed. If you're working a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, I want to know how quickly you can move in, in tight areas and things like that. Uh, the next thing is, uh, William Fahoko, who I-, I really like in this year's draft six foot three hundred seventy-six pounds, 24 bench reps, uh, four, seven, seven, 40 yard dash doesn't really have a super, uh, impressive athletic profile. His relative athletic score just at 5.31, but still he gives you a lot of production and a lot of traits and good size and all the things that you would be more than willing to try to build off of, um, late in, you know, from after drafting him late in the draft. I, at 123, where I selected him, I was also looking at Andrew Voorhees, the interior offensive lineman from USC at six foot six, 310 pounds and 38 bench reps. He is, he's saying with me, strong. that boy is strong. So I do like what he brings I me. Mean, 38 bench reps is absolutely insane. Um, he's also got pretty good you know, explosive traits as well. 29 inch vertical, eight foot nine inch uh, broad jump, not amazing, but not bad by any stretch of the imagination. And so maybe that's a name that I I could have gone with and then maybe taken a seventh round edge rusher or package that seventh round selection with a future, you know, fifth or a future fourth to be able to try to move up into the sixth round or even late in the fifth round to grab, you know, an edge rusher there or something like that. I might try to do that again. Um, You know, some similar trades this, but instead of keeping that random seventh round pick, seeing if there's some value in terms of trading up into the fifth round and. And, you know, getting the bottom of that draft, instead of it being at 227, you know, I took Viliami Fahoko at 123 in the fourth round. Can my last selection be a fifth round pick and get somebody that comes in and helps? And maybe it's Viliami Fahoko instead, right? Like maybe he's the guy that I draft in the fifth round and then take Andrew Voorhees in the fourth round. So I'll try to do some more like this where we're moving up and moving around with those day three picks, because I do think that that can be the best way for the Saints to get their, get the best bang for their buck, if you will. Eight selections in this year's draft, but as I've been saying over and over again, don't expect the Saints to walk in with eight picks and leave with eight players. Saints haven't drafted eight players in a draft for the last seven years, but then walking in with eight player, eight eight selections and walking out with six players feels very much like something the New Orleans Saints would do. But I've, I agree with the many of you that chimed in that trading up in the first round, probably less ideal then either trading back, which we know is a long shot or trading up out of or in different parts of the bottom of the draft, get out of the top, get inside the top 200, get outside of all of that 200 later selections, get up and and get into the top 150, do all those types of moves. So we'll we'll continue to explore with that and play around with that here as the, uh, the weeks uh, move on very quickly here toward the NFL draft. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that. Um, coming up in tomorrow's episode, it is Thursday, so we're going to dive into some more draft prospects. We looked at uh, linebackers as our specific focus last week. Let's let's take a look at some more of these other wide receivers that could potentially be of interest to the New Orleans Saints. And who's the best fit at running back for New Orleans? Also going to be your question of the day today. So please feel free to chime in. Who's the best running back fit in this year's draft for the New Orleans Saints? Do you go for the big power guys? Do you go for an all-around guy, or do you go for the Alvin Kamara type players like Jameer Gibbs and? Uh, 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 Israel, Abana, and so on and so forth. They could do, you know, that that are fantastic in the passing game, but can also, you know, give you what you're looking for in the run game as well. So a whole bunch uh, coming up for you as we continue on and continue to just have so much fun here on Locked on Saints. Don't forget to join the subtext as well. Join subtext.com slash Locked on Saints to get exclusive uh, content as well as one-on-one conversations with me. Make sure you're following along with Saints News Network, the new home for all of my written work as well. Should have my first piece out late this week. And then much, much more here on Locked on Saints as well. So I appreciate you, as always, making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day, every day for you. Second listen, make sure you go and check out Locked on NFL Scouting with the Draft Dude showing you what it is that New uh, New Orleans Saints teams, that NFL teams think about when it comes to building up their team and building a successful NFL franchise. Got it all for you every single Monday through Friday on YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate you, as always, making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And if you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Doing, live, let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how you mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.